Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? So um, if you're visiting today uh, and you see pop quiz on the screen, uh, don't panic. Um, we are, we've reached the part of our service where the congregation is going through uh, our weekly Sunday school class. Um, and to do that, we're going through uh, a book that is actually available um, to you after service, um, our training for service book. So if you do not have a copy of it, don't feel worried. Um, you should still be able to follow along. Um, and most of the information here will be um, on the screen for you to follow along. And you can uh, purchase the book after service. Um, but with all that being said, let's uh, go to God with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for just allowing us to be here today, Father. Thank you for giving us your word, Father. Thank you for uh, taking the time to lay out your plan for our lives in a way where we can digest it, Father, where we can learn about it and really take time to find out what you want for our lives. Father, thank you for giving us a blueprint for our lives. Thank you for giving us Jesus to provide the example of how we should follow through on that blueprint, Father. Uh, I pray that you just uh, guide my words, Father. Let my words really be your words, just speaking through and getting your message across to your people, Father. Um, I praise you for everything. In Jesus' name I pray, God. Amen. So uh, why don't we start off um, with a quick uh, review slash quiz um, on what we went through last week. Um, last week we spoke about uh, the different provinces and regions that were covered in the New Testament. Um, and I wanted to ask, we only have about uh, three or four questions. Who can tell me the three main provinces that made up Jesus's uh, uh, pilgrimages for teaching? So what are the three areas that Jesus covered? Yes. Yep. That is correct. Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Awesome. Uh, next question. When did the church begin and where did it begin? Yep, the day of Pentecost and in Jerusalem. Awesome. Nice. You guys have been studying. This is encouraging. Um, now, who was the major catalyst for the spreading of the gospel across the Roman Empire in the Mediterranean? Oh, yes. The Apostle Paul, correct. And how many, uh, how many missionary journeys did he have? This is the catcher. Yes. Uh, close. Three. Yes, he traveled uh, the Roman Empire three times. The fourth time, he was actually going to court. Uh, so, awesome. So the next part, or this, this lesson, is picking up um, on the following chapter, chapter 17. If you haven't had a chance to study it, it's fine. We can catch up. Um, this starts off with page 65 in your um, training for service books. And we're going to go into one of my favorite topics, which is the prophecies about Jesus. A couple of reasons why this is going to be crucial for us to understand. Before going into the Gospels, which really detail the life of Jesus, all of the places he's preached, all the things he has done, it's important to understand the context under which Jesus was operating as far as what were people saying about the prophecy of the Messiah before he got here. Right. What did the Jews understand and what were the Jews thinking about when Jesus came along? Right. What was being told to the Jews as they grew up about the Messiah? Right. This will also help us to understand why the disciples followed him so wholeheartedly the second he came in. It will also tell us 
why the Pharisees saw him as a significant threat. So uh, first thing to go through is to list, we're going to list out the different types of prophecies that there were um, about Jesus. Um, and they come in three main forms. And uh, follow with me here because it gets a little complicated. So we're going we're to take our time with this. Uh, amen, church? Uh, so the first one are the, the typological or the type prophecies. These are parts in the Old Testament where events happened to other people, but they were actually a sign for what was going to happen in the future. Right? The great thing about God is God doesn't like surprises with people. He likes to let people know, he drops hints on the things he's going to do later on by doing things earlier on. A couple of examples of this. Joseph, when he was sold into slavery and then ultimately became second in command of Egypt, that was a sign of how Jesus would be sold for our sins and become the right hand of God. Uh, Similar to Noah's Ark, people being saved through water, that was a symbol of us being saved in the future from our sins. And very similarly, the Passover, where the Passover is the lamb's blood being given to save the Israelites coming out of Egypt, Jesus, and in a few places in the New Testament, is essentially the Passover lamb that's sacrificed for our sins. So those are, that's the first type of prophecy where God was doing things in the Old Testament as a symbol of things to come. And all throughout the New Testament, you're going to hear a lot of people, especially Paul, reference back to a lot of these things in the New Testament. And that's just going to help give you context when you're reading a lot of the uh, letters from Paul to the other churches. He mentions a lot of this, especially in the book of Hebrews. Um, the second type of prophecy are the obscure prophecies. Um, these are the ones that get kind of misconstrued a lot, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But these are events in the past that are actually reference points for other events. Uh, a perfect example for this, because it's hard to kind of contextualize. Hosea's message to God. Hosea had mentioned in one of his prophecies that God is going to call out his son from out of Egypt. Now, that had two meanings. One, it referred back to when he called the Israelites out of Egypt, but it was also uh, a sign later on in Matthew uh, where it speaks about how when Jesus went into Egypt and came out, it was God calling his son out of Egypt. And in Matthew, in Matthew actually, they, they reference back to that when Jesus escapes into Egypt after uh, hearing that Herod was looking to kill all the children. And the next one is my favorite version of the prophecies, and those are plain statements. Why? Because I'm a simple guy. I like things nice and simple and literally laid out right in front of me. And these are the ones where people just directly said, there's going to be a Messiah, and here's what he's going to do. Right? So there are several, there are hundreds of examples of these. Um, A few of them, just to start off, and we're going to go through these in a lot more detail in a few minutes, but Isaiah's prophecies about the servant who suffered for his name. Jeremiah talking about the branch of righteousness. Um, Daniel's prediction that there's going to be a rock cut out, but not from human hands. So these are the three main types of prophecies that existed about the Messiah before Jesus came to earth. So Understandably so, there was a lot of confusion during Jesus' time when he came because of the various different forms of prophecies. And there were a couple of good reasons for this, right? Number one, a lot of people were confused with those three different types of prophecies that I had just laid out, especially the first two, right? Connecting the dots to things that hadn't happened yet was a bit confusing. It's kind of like having someone just learn the Bible and try to explain revelations, right? It's going to be a challenge. So a lot of people just got legitimately confused. 
Secondly, a lot of the prophecies spoke both about Jesus' coming the first time and also Jesus coming the second time. So a lot of people got confused because they were expecting Jesus to come from clouds with fire or lightning, which is what he's going to come and do the second time around, but not the first time. So when people saw a guy walking the streets, they're like, no, there was supposed to be thunder and lightning and clouds. Right? So there was a lot of confusion over when and how Jesus would come. Now, in addition to this, though, those are some of the legitimate reasons why there was confusion around Jesus. And that was easily explained when Jesus, when Jesus came. But there was a slightly different issue when it came to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law saw Jesus, but they saw him as a threat. Because if you spent your whole time hearing that some king is going to come and take everything over, and now you're the king, and you're in charge, you're going to have a problem when you see a guy saying he's the Messiah. So to put this into context, we're going to read a scripture real quick. We're going to go to John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 45 to 48, but uh, let me know when you guys get there. And if you can't, uh, you should be able to see it on the screen. So, uh, sorry, starting with, uh, actually, we're going to start with verse 38. Um, Sorry, I know I said 45. So the Bible reads, Jesus once, more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, of, came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had, sent, had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called the meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is a man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come back and take away both our temple and our nation. So here's a symbol. Here's a situation where Jesus has literally risen someone from the dead. So Lazarus has just died about four days ago. Jesus comes and raises him from the dead. And a bunch of people start believing and realizing he's the Messiah because a bunch of the prophecies about the Messiah talk about how he heals people. So a bunch of people are realizing this must be the Messiah that we've been learning about. Now, when this gets reported out to the Pharisees, their reaction is anger. So their reaction is not, oh, everything that we've been reading about, the things we've been teaching everybody about has actually come true. No, their issue is that they could lose their temple and their position. You know, and this is convicting, this one convicted me a lot because it it got me to realize that 
it's very easy to miss God's miracles when you're focused on other things. Right? The Pharisees' focus was not about their personal need for God. Right? They weren't worried about what they needed. They were more focused about what they wanted. And by focusing on what they wanted, they missed the fact that Jesus was coming there to give them what they so desperately needed. Jesus was coming to save their souls, and they were worried about their temples, and they ended up losing both. So if you read about 60 years after, um, they actually dis- the Romans destroyed the temple that they were trying to hold on to and the one they rejected Jesus for. So one of the things that this convicted me about is no level of intellect can replace a soft heart towards God. Because if you look further, right, a lot of the blind people who came to Jesus came to him because they knew one thing. All the, all the teachings that they learned from the Pharisees, from the teachers of the law, all told them one thing that they held on to. When the Messiah comes, this guy can heal people of anything. That's all they knew. They knew two things. They knew that they were blind, they were sick, they needed help, and there's a guy that the Pharisees told them could fix it. There was a guy that the teachers of the law told them could fix it. So when they heard him, they weren't worried about their position. They weren't worried about the status. They weren't worried about their income. They were hoping on what God had promised. And that's why you saw so many people who were unschooled ordinary men following God. Because all they had were the teachings. And a lot of the people who were teaching in this stuff were not following because they were worried about what they had. So... That was a huge uh, bit of conviction for me. Just it, it gets me to think about, okay, where do I stand when it comes to kind of reading the word, right? Am I doing it intellectually or am I applying it to my heart? So that's one of the big factors that drove. And if you look throughout the entire uh, list of the Gospels, anytime you see people who are combating Jesus, they're either expecting some kind of political win, a military victory, or someone who can get something for them, right? And the people who followed him were guys who were acutely aware of where their personal situations were. So yeah, keep in mind as you guys read through the Gospels, that's a great way to understand kind of the differences between the different people who meet and interact with Jesus. Now, that said, going into all the prophecies, let's go into these, and we're going to go into these in, in a lot more detail. Now, I could go through every single prophecy, but given that there's over 300 and you guys want to eat later today, uh, we're not going to do that. But, Just to give you guys context, we are going to go through quite a few of these um, starting from the beginning. So the prophecies about Jesus didn't start a few years before he was born. It didn't even start around the Roman Empire. In fact, the Roman Empire only existed, if you could see this grid, I'm not very good at the laser pointer, so uh, forgive me. So if you guys can see that little section right there at the very end, right before the star, so the star is pretty much where Jesus was born, when Jesus was born. This is when the Roman Empire became a power. Rome didn't exist until around here. So this is just to say, God has been planning out Jesus' salvation since here. Essentially more than 5,000 years before Jesus came to the earth. Since Adam and Eve ate the apple... Jesus had been working towards a plan for our salvation. And we're going to go into that in a bit more detail right now. So starting with Adam and Eve. Once God, in the midst of God kicking Adam and Eve out of uh, the Garden of Eden, he laid out the foundation. This is one of those typological um, prophecies. 
the foundation for the relationship between man and Satan and Satan's ultimate defeat by stating that the serpent will pierce the foot of the descendant of Eve, but the descendant will trample the, ser- the serpent underfoot. Right? This was literal because literally people would step on snakes and then kill the snake when they see it. But then it was also a prophecy of the fact that eventually the son of man will eventually get pierced by the serpent and then defeat him permanently. Meaning Jesus will have the ultimate victory after dying by Satan's hand. Now, moving forward, we're going to get into a few things that are a bit more detailed and a bit more direct. So, starting off with Jacob. So, when Jacob was just blessing his sons, he listed out and specifically stated that the kingship will end up falling on Judah. Meaning, of his 12 sons, Judah would be the one to have a king and would rule over all the other tribes. And this was around, if you could see, around 2,000 years before Jesus. Then moving forward to about a thousand, uh, sorry, about 1,500 years, Moses, as he was giving the laws to the people of Israel, listed out that, yes, I'm a prophet now, but there's going to be a perfect prophet that comes later on that's going to be carrying the very words of God. So now we already have Jacob and Moses both predicting Jesus' coming in the future. Now moving on to one of my favorite people in the Bible, David. So David, when he wanted to build a temple to God, was told that God was going to establish his line forever. So David had already fulfilled Jacob's promise because David was from the, from the tribe of Judah. So you already see the, the prophecies being fulfilled by David sitting there on the throne. But then he goes a step further and God says, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. One of your descendants is going to rule a kingdom that will never end. And from there, David doesn't just stop there. He goes on to predict, I want to do this in order, the fact that Jesus would be betrayed by a close friend in, in Psalms. He predicts the fact that Jesus would get pierced by his hand, in his hands and feet in Psalms as well. He also predicted the mocking of Jesus. This part I didn't even know. He predicted the very words that the people were going to say when they were making fun of Jesus on the cross. So if you look in Psalms, which were written for a thousand years before Jesus, he lists out the whole part when he's when Jesus is on the cross saying, hey, you saved other people, why can't you save yourself? Call out on God. So he predicted that in Psalms. He also predicted that there would be casting lots for Jesus' clothes after he was killed. And he also predicted that Jesus' bones would never be broken, which is a bit odd because in Roman history, when the Romans would crucify someone, just in case they somehow got off the cross, they'd break your legs so that if you got off, you still couldn't run. So that happened to everyone except for Jesus. So usually I've I've heard statistics around the probability. So as we're thinking this through to help, and it helped my faith, think about what are the probability of all of these things happening being a coincidence. So moving on, we're going to go to some of the other prophets, and one of my favorites, Isaiah. So Isaiah, around 700 years before, predicted that God would send a savior, um, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, he also predicted that it would be the, the child would be born of a virgin. Micah, who lived around the same time, uh, confirmed that the child would be born in Bethlehem. And if you guys were here last week, we confirmed that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Um, he also predicted, Isaiah also predicted that Jesus would bring healing, which is where all those people who are blind 
and lepers all heard that Jesus would heal because Isaiah kept saying several times that the Messiah would heal people. So when you saw it, when they heard Jesus walking by, that's why you keep hearing people screaming and yelling, interrupting the crowds, breaking open roofs to, to lower people in. It was because they all heard from the book of Isaiah that this guy is going to heal you. So if you had a problem, you finally got a person who they've been telling, who you've been hearing all along would heal you, and you finally meet him. So guess what? Now you, if you see guys yelling, women running through the crowds, touching his cloak, right? This is where it all came from, right? The prophets had told about this hundreds of years before. And when they, saw, when they saw their chance to be with Jesus, they did not waste it. Also, um, Isaiah also prof, uh, prophesied that he would minister in Galilee, which we all learned uh, last week that Jesus' ministry was in Galilee. Uh, he also confirmed that he would end up suffering for our sins, but at the end would get the victory over sin. Now, I could stop there, but... There are a bunch of other prophets, and we're going to go, this, go through this fairly quickly. So Jeremiah predicted that there would be a new covenant between God and his people. Um, Daniel predicted that Jesus would take the form of a man but rule over all kingdoms. Zechariah predicted that Judas would get paid 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. Now that one kind of freaked me out because that, that's crazy specific. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, a guy named Jesus is going to save you. But to be able to say he's going to be betrayed and the guy who betrays him is going to get paid 30 pieces of silver exactly. That, that, I don't know about you. I get freaked out by weird stuff like that. That's just me. Malachi, and this is the final prophecy about Jesus around 400 years before he came. Malachi predicted that a, a, a son of righteousness would provide rays of healing, which is yet another sign to the people that someone was going to come and heal multitudes of people throughout however long his ministry would be. So throughout all of this, right, people were being convicted about the fact that the Messiah is here. So imagine you're a fisherman sitting on a boat trying to catch some fish, and you're hearing that that guy has been healing everyone and he's on his way to where you are. And then imagine again, that guy comes to you on the shore and tells you, to come follow me. Now you guys can see why James, John, Peter did not think of anything else once Jesus called. They realized 5,000 years of prophecy are finally coming true now and they got to be a part of it. So imagine if you guys were part of that. So just to give a bit more context, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 10 to 13. The Bible reads, and if you, can, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow up on the screen. The Bible reads, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would, would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heavens. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, 
With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Guys, for thousands of years, prophets lived, sacrificed, and some even died preaching the message that we get to benefit from today. These guys were longing to see Jesus. These guys lived their entire lives prophesying about Jesus but never got to see him. We get to live at a time where Jesus has already died and rose and is fighting for us in heaven. Guys, if you ever worry about whether or not God cares about you, think back to that timeline and think, how much planning did God have to go through just to bring Jesus into this earth? And then think about how much planning did, Jesus have, did God have to go through to put you on this earth? It required just as much organization and coordination to put you here. And God chose to put you in this time, not before Jesus, right? Not at any of those, not in a region where you can't hear the gospel, right? Think about how fortunate you are and think about how precious, precious you must be to God that he chose to put you here and you here now. And then think about what that means for his plan in your life. If he thought it wise to put you here now, what does he want to do with your life going forward? So in summary, I just wanted to wrap up just so we can kind of summarize what we've gone through today. We've gone through the three different types of uh, messianic prophecies, type or typological, the obscure, and then the plain statements. Um, we've highlighted the fact that there were multiple prophecies over thousands of years, all consistent across each other, confirming the lordship of Jesus Christ, starting all the way from Genesis, ending with Malachi. And we've also confirmed that all of that came to fruition and all over around 300 or so were all accurate. I've heard one statement saying, I think it takes about, you have one in 100,000 chances of getting hit by lightning. And the chances of all of these prophecies coming true, you pretty much have a better chance of hitting the lottery than all of this actually happening by coincidence. So guys, if you ever have an issue with your faith, just look through some of the prophecies about Jesus that were said thousands of years before. And I'm telling you, that will make your faith rock solid. So as you go through this, I'm going to have the, the joy of giving you the last fun part, which is the homework for next week. Um, we're going to be reviewing lesson 18, so the very next lesson, um, which is the life of Christ, part one. We're going to start talking about the life of Jesus. So we've spoken about the regions where he preached. We talked about the prophecies about him coming. And next week, we're going to go right into the details and going through Jesus's life. So guys, um, we're going to pray really quickly, and then we're going to have a couple of announcements. But let's, let's uh, close it out with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father God, thank you for just thinking us worthy to be on this earth, period, Father. Thank you for just giving us Jesus, Father. Thank you for planning out our lives, planning out salvation, creating a plan for our salvation. Thank you for just giving us a path to learn to, about your Son, Father. Thank you for giving us your Son. I pray that you guide us in everything that we do, Father. I pray that you help us to live out the plan that you have for our lives, Father, and continue to strive to come closer to you, Father. I praise you and I thank you in everything you've done for us, and I pray that you just bless the rest of this service. In Jesus' name I pray, God. Amen.